Hey, I'm Bruce Weinstein, and this is the podcast Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And I'm Mark Scarborough, and together with Bruce, we have written, you know this, over three dozen cookbooks for several New York publishers. We're not even really sure how that has happened in our lives. I guess just the answer is hard work, eh? So, <laughs> more than three dozen cookbooks for several New York publishers. And including... several dozen pounds added on my hips. Oh, gosh. And you used to be contributing editors to eating... Well, and Cooking Light before those magazines folded. So goes the world. But our latest cookbook is out this fall. It's called The Look and Cook Air Fryer Bible. If you've listened to this podcast, you know about it. 704 photos of the recipes. Every single step of every recipe is photographed. We'd love if you check that out on any of the platforms. Or if you look in the podcast notes for this show, you'll see a link to that book. Mm -hmm. All right. But we're not talking about that. Instead, we're talking about this podcast. (laughs) We are revamping this podcast. We've gotten a lot of emails from folks saying they missed when we used to cook, and they love our interviews, and they love what we talk about, but they miss our cooking. So we thought we would take a little break this summer and come back on September 11th. With the fourth season of the, the podcast. season, and we would just mix it up a bit, and we're going to be doing some interviews still, but we're also going to be doing some cooking. We're going to be talking about our favorite recipes, restaurants, and cookbooks. Essentially, what we're going to do is we're going to keep the one-minute cooking tip. And we're going to keep what's making us happy in food this week. And in the middle, between those two, we're going to insert either interviews with cookbooks, live cooking (laughs) experiments on air with the two of us, or in some cases, other things, food trends, cookbook reviews. Taste tests are my favorite thing that's coming up. We're going to try all sorts of foods on this podcast. Yeah, we thought we might, you know, do actual taste tests of various foods on the podcast and see which one we like best, let's say, of store brands of canned beans. Unsexy canned beans. I went straight for canned. Wow. You know, I could have come up with something better. How about bars of chocolate? But instead, I came up with canned beans. Anyway, that's what we're planning to do. And we're going to be back on the air for on September 11th. That's a little bit of an auspicious date if you live in the United States. But on September 11th with the fourth season of the podcast. So we're taking some time off to, to retool. But before we get there, we wanted to do this. This podcast, a final podcast in this season, on two of our favorite summer foods. Well, it still is July, and here's the first of my favorite summer food, lobsters. And sure, you can get them all year round, but in the summer, I can cook them outdoors and not stink up the house. Hey, if you have air conditioning, as we do, and yes, we live in rural New England, and yes, we need air conditioning because, yes, the humidity is only 5 billion percent every day. So, um, uh, we, <laughs> yeah, we... It was like that before. Yeah, I know. It's really funny. So, we live in this world in which our windows are shut for air conditioning. Then we get about two and a half months where the windows are open for fall, and then they're shut all winter long because of the heat. And a lobster can stink up a house and when then it's shut up like that. they're <laughs> open again for about two months in the spring. It's really funny what uh, what it's like to live in New England. But Bruce is right. The lobster can certainly smell the house up. It is certainly disgusting. So how do I cook it outside? Well, I'm very lucky to have a gas grill that has a side burner. So I could put a big pot out there and just put water in it and boil it out there. Or... You know, it's a little dicey. Some people don't like to do it. If you cut the lobster in half, but you have to do it while it's alive, uh, then you can grill it. And 
you can do it quickly. You stick the knife right between the eyes, you cut the head, and then it's dead instantly. It actually dies faster than if you put it in the water. So uh, it's actually true. a little more humane. But it, let me say, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this also, that if you don't know, Bruce is the chef in our duo, and I am the writer. And the first time a lobster had to be cut in half in our career, I had to do it because <laughs> the chef couldn't do it. He couldn't bring himself to actually cut the lobster in half. And I was like, oh, God. I spent the summers on my grandparents' farm. I have no problem doing this, and I just did it. I could do it now. So (laughs) when you go to the store to buy a lobster, besides the price, because, look, the price is something that we all need to look at when we buy it, right? Yeah, right. But besides the price, what should you look for when you buy a lobster? Number one, alive and active. Yes, Bruce's sister and her husband were just here for several days with us in rural New England, and lobsters are in right now. The season is well on. Well, it's kind of always on anymore. <laughs> That's but, what I'm saying. Yeah. But it's on now for sure for summer. And we went and we checked them out, and we went actually to a couple stores, and we found one that was less expensive. And then in those tanks, we looked for the lobsters that were crawling around like crazy. <laughs> that were moving around, even the ones on top of the big pile of lobsters in the corner, we look for the ones on the top of the pile because they've climbed up there in order to assert their dominance. If you don't know about this kind of stuff, there is a great book by Trevor Gorson. Bruce actually loves this book called read The it a couple times. Secret Life of Lobsters. Uh, we were actually at a food event with Trevor Gorson and Bruce was like starstruck when he <laughs> met Trevor. He's like, oh my God, you're the guy that wrote The Secret Life of Lobsters. It was like he was starstruck with Trevor. But check out that book, The Secret Life of Lobsters, if you want to know. They are actually foul, nasty, fighty, militaristic creatures. So when you're in the store and you ask the fish guy to get you a lobster, you do not have to just take any lobster he pulls out, right? No. You could actually direct him to the lobsters you want. So how do you choose one in there? Well, of course, as Mark said, get one that's moving around. But we like to get ones that have big claws. Some lobsters have bigger claws than others because Mark and I love the claw meat even more than the tail meat. We do. And we also like females more than males. <laughs> it's funny, this gay couple likes females more than males. And I'll tell you why. Because you have a higher chance of having roe in the female. Now, once the roe becomes officially eggs, mm-hmm. it moves outside of the shell, and they can't actually collect those lobsters. Nope. They can't fish for them once that row becomes real eggs. Mm-hmm. So they have to throw those females back. But you can catch a female that has row in it. And there's a couple ways to know if you've got a female in hand. Oh, you're going to get eye-rolling from the guy in the you store are. because you you're going to ask them to work. You have to hold the lobster upside down and look at the tail. The tail of a male lobster is perfectly straight. And the underside tail of a female, it's a bit wider, closer to the body. It curves out. You know, females have curves, even in the lobster world. And so you're going to see that slight curve. <laughs> I tell you, this boy has curves, but okay, go on. <laughs> so that's how you can get a feel. Again, you're going to get the eye rolling. You may even get them to say, I'm not doing that for you, but you yeah, know, try it. And the, the thing is, the row is really delicious. It's, if you know anything about eating sushi, about eating tobiko or flying fish row, you know how delicious that row can be. And dipped in butter, that row is super delicious in a lobster. So you can get it better with a female. 
The, the, the trick to the lobster is looking for active and live. Female is a separate issue and is a kind of more connoisseur issue. That's what you're looking for. And what do you say? I mean, once they hit the boiling water, how long about does it take them to cook? It takes about 10 minutes for a one to one and a quarter pound lobster. After that, for every quarter pound, I add another minute or two. So if I'm doing two-pound lobsters, we're right. probably talking about 15 right. to 18 minutes. Right. Um, but you have to go by the color of the shell, make sure that it is totally red because they turn bright red when they're cooked through. You'll see little globs of albumin protein coming out of them. People think mm -hmm. it's fat, mm -hmm. but it's actually protein, just mm -hmm. like an egg white coming mm -hmm. out of them. And it's always better, in my opinion, unlike a steak where I'd rather slightly undercook it, with a lobster, I would slightly rather overcook now, it than pull the tail out and say, find the meat's raw inside. This is, this, so we're not going to talk about this, but I feel like bringing it up. Let me say that this is the U.S., in fact, Canadian, U.S., and North American way to cook a, a live lobster. But... This is not the Japanese way. And the reason this is is because the tail does get slightly overcooked in this cooking of a whole lobster. And the Japanese chefs are notorious for tearing off the tail of a live lobster. They are. They rip it apart. And then cooking it and the claws separately because there is actually different timing for the two. It is true. So when you cook a whole lobster, when the claws are tender and perfect, the tail tail will be slightly overcooked. Mm -hmm. There's just no way around that in a live lobster until you get up to the Godzilla range <laughs> of the, you know, two kilo, four pound lobsters. Then that's then you're in another bar. I got to tell the story. So we used to go to Prince Edward Island uh, most summers and we loved it up there. And we went to this place called Dalve by the Sea and dinner was included Love with your room. Not anymore. You have to pay for it. But their lobster was always a choice on the menu, but they always brought you, you know, the one and a quarter pound little lobster. And I called them before we got up there. I said, I'm going to be the ugly American, and I want you to get me a giant lobster for my first night there. And they're like, oh, there'll be an upcharge. Fine, no problem. So we get there. The whole dining room is buzzing. Ooh, the American that wanted the big lobster. <laughs> And they brought me out this two and a half pound lobster, and I was so disappointed. You I was, were. You were like a little child. I can get a two and a half pound lobster at my local stop and shop. So I was, I said to them, it was delicious. But I said, look, I'm here for a week. On my last night, I want Godzilla. I mean, I really want the big. So they did. They got me an eight pound lobster <laughs> for my last night. Now it is sad that lobster was probably older than I was, but uh, no, not probably. <laughs> That lobster had lived a very, very long time. It was, it was gamey. It was meaty. It was it needed was a steak gamey. knife to cook it. It, it wasn't did. a sweet lobster, but nope. boy, it was delicious. The and thing, I ate every bite of the it. The reason people like the smaller lobsters, the quote unquote chicks that are a pound or the pound and a quarter or the pound and a half, the reason people like those lobsters is because the meat is notoriously sweet. Once you get up over two pounds or a kilo for a lobster, that meat takes on a musky, almost gamey taste. It does get tougher and uh, it gets much more knife-ready than <laughs> fork-ready. Well, because the longer a lobster lives, the less 
frequently it molts, the yeah. bigger it gets. So yeah. the less frequently it molts, the meat has a chance to just age inside the lobster tail and it gets stronger. And let me also say that in uh, summer particularly, you can often get a lot of hard shell lobsters. And lobsters molt, if you don't know this. They, their shell falls off and they grow, they calcify a new shell over time. And soft shell lobsters are easier to deal with at the table because the shell can almost tear apart with your hands. They, it's not quite like a soft-shell crab, but the, t- the shell is still there, but it can almost tear apart with your hands. The hard-shell lobsters are tough, and the shells are very thick and very calcified and like practically like bone. When Bruce's sister and brother-in-law were here, and we got those lobsters. Those were all hard shell lobsters. Mm. And Bruce actually ended up having to crack some of our lobsters in the kitchen with a mallet because the shell was so hard, lobster crackers wouldn't get through them. But here's why I like the hard shells better than soft shell lobsters. When a lobster molts, it pumps itself full of water, right? So that the new shell firms up around a lot of water, and then the meat shrinks back down so it has room to grow. So when you buy a softer shell lobster, you're not getting meat all the way to the edge no, of that inside not. of the shell. You're and it's you're paying for actually a lot of water. When you get a really super hard shell lobster, that meat is cram-packed in there, and you're actually getting more meat for your yeah, money. Yeah, you can tell if you, a lobster has molted recently, even if the shell is a bit harder. When you d- deal with the claw, you know how the claw has like that thumb-like part, that long, thin pincher part, and then it's got the big mitten part of the claw. Okay, in that pincher part, that long, thin, thumb-like part, when you crack it open, if the meat in there is very small or doesn't fill that entire finger, thumb Mm -hmm. up, up, then the lobster has recently molted because the the meat hasn't grown to fill the shell. Yep. And so I prefer a hard shell lobster. If I can get them, sometimes in the store they don't know that, so I'll still make them crazy about looking for a female, though. You do get more meat per pound with a harder shell lobster, but at the same time, it's really hard to deal with, and sometimes you have to take a mallet to it after it's cooked in order to get it open and get at that meat inside of it. So let's talk about our other favorite favorite summer thing, which is soft-shell crabs. Usually they're in season from about May through September. That's right. the, you know, it, sometimes as you get later in the summer, they're harder to find. Uh, but ours, are, ours are already starting to run out. But their real running. season is through September. Again, crabs molt just like lobsters. And when they molt and they haven't developed their hard shell yet, you can actually eat the shell and everything. That's how soft and papery they are. So they're not going to be active the way that lobsters are because they're actually kept out of the water when they're sold. So here's what you want to look for. And here's what I always look for when I buy soft shell crabs if you're really into a splurge. And these are splurges because they're expensive. They're a delicacy. And uh, you have to look for certain things. And here's what I look for is, A, they should not be wrapped in plastic in the way because that means the crab cannot breathe was probably frozen. Probably was frozen. They don't tend to wrap live ones in plastic, so it was probably frozen. It also means it has been previously cleaned. You want to buy them alive if possible, but certainly as close to their demise as possible. When I used to buy a lot of social crabs when I lived in Madison, believe it or not, in Madison, Wisconsin, when I lived there, I got really heavy into social crabs, and so it was like this thing. And I would buy them, and what I would always do is I would go to this place that had them. It was a kind of market with a butcher, a farm market with a butcher shop behind it in, in the barn. It may still be there for all I know. And um, 
uh, I would look for the social clubs, and I would always look for the ones, and I know this is going to sound gross. Please don't cross that at me. But I would look at the ones that were bubbling around where their mouths and eyes were. They were fizzing or foaming around mm-hmm. that spot. That it was an indicator that, that the thing alive. was alive. Yeah. And unlike lobsters, crabs, soft-shell crabs, since you're eating the whole thing, needs to be cleaned before they're cooked. Yeah, and it's a really complex process, you, so you ask your this. fish guy to do it. Yeah, okay, wait. I, we'll come back to that. Ask your fish guy. But you may not know this, but if you haven't ever had a soft-shell crab, maybe you've had it fried um, in a sushi roll, or maybe you've had it fried on a sandwich. But, deep-fried, crunchy. Right, yeah. deep-fried and crunchy. Maybe you haven't ever actually just looked at one on a plate, but you're essentially eating the entire thing post-cleaning. Yeah, the exoskeleton, you're eating it all. Unlike lobsters, soft-shell crab shells are essentially non-existent. I mean... Yeah, they're just like thin paper, but they have to be cleaned. I'm not going to get into how to do it at home because it is a complicated and disgusting thing to do. So just ask the fish guy to do it for you. Um, And I don't know any fish guys that won't do it for you. No, they'll all do it. it. And quite honestly, I don't want to like eat the eyes and the face. And I like to cut the face off. Yeah, I don't cut the face off. But they do that when they clean them. They cut the face off. by the way, and we should say this before we conclude our whole lobster and soft shell crab thing. These are items that you should eat the day you buy them. Mm -hmm. Do not buy these ahead for a party. If you're going to, let's say you want to make lobster salad for a party, then in my opinion, buy the already cooked tails, and those you can buy and put in your refrigerator for several days yeah. and make your lobster salad. If you're buying live lobsters or soft-shell crabs that were alive and then cleaned at the store, you want to eat them by dinner that night. Yep. Keep them cold, cold. Bring a cooler with ice, cold, cold. Uh, the lobster's cold, too. They kind of go to sleep on the ice. When they're the, very cold, the they, yeah, they go to sleep. The soft-shell crabs, of course, course, if they've been cleaned or now dead, they won't go to sleep, but it keeps them really fresh. And you want to eat them within several hours of having bought them. Always the best way with most seafood, but especially with those. What do you do with soft shell crabs? I like them battered and deep fried like in a sushi roll. I like them super crunchy. I know people like my mom don't. And your husband. And my husband. You don't even like them that way at all. You like them just sauteed in a skillet with butter until they're cooked through. Lemon lemon butter. I kind of want to hide the fact that I'm eating the whole shell and everything, (laughs) so I hide it in between panko and deep fry it. I like to butter in the pan. I put the soft shell crab in a little flour. If I get really crazy, I may put salt, pepper, and paprika in that flour, but I doubt it. I put it in a little flour. I put it in the melted butter. I cook it. It doesn't take very long for a soft-shell crab. I mean, we're A couple talking, minutes aside. Yeah. just You just want to get a little crust on that flour, just a little bit of browning. And then I uh, spoon the butter over it as I'm cooking it, and then I squeeze oh, a quarter to a half, depends on how lemony I want it, of a lemon over it, and then continue to spoon it. So it's a little bit of lemon butter and then it to me even if I salt and pepper the flour it needs more salt at the table but that's me because I like salty food. But you can grill them too. You can get the grill up super hot, do direct heat, you can do them plain, you can marinate them in any kind of Asian style marinade whether it's uh, Vietnamese and use fish sauce and Yum. lemon juice, and or you can go uh, more Cantonese and do Yum. them in a soy Im- and black bean. I can imagine them with fish sauce. Lime juice, brown sugar. 
and then you make a really spicy peanut dip or just buy a freaking bottle of really spicy <laughs> peanut dipping sauce and yeah. it would be delicious. I've never had them. I might try them that way on the grill. I just don't like them in a skillet. Well, so that's what we wanted to talk about today. We don't have an interview. We don't have anything nope. else. Um, I think that these are the things that are making us happy in food this week, unless you have to say anything else. That's no, making I, what's making me happy is the lobster we had last week with my sister. Yeah, it is kind of amazing to have these things. We uh, Let me say before we go away, and we'll be back again on September 11th, let me also say that if you don't know this, there is a TikTok channel called Cooking with Bruce and Mark. You are welcome to see that channel. All you have to do is go on on TikTok and look up cooking with Bruce and Mark. We are currently all about air frying videos and all about various look and cook videos. So including a really terrific, just it went up, a really terrific no bake, no stove, no heat vegan chocolate pudding that you make with silken tofu mm-hmm. in a food processor and it sets up just like Pudding. We just made this on Portland, Oregon morning TV just a couple days ago. That recipe's up on TikTok. So is the chocolate peanut butter silk pie, which is also vegan. It's maple syrup and peanut butter and silk and tofu. No No cook, cook, no bake. You pour it into a graham cracker crust. It's so easy. And quite honestly, it's relatively low fat, low sugar, and low carb and high protein. And high protein is the tofu. It's good for you. Just have it for dinner. Yeah, I mean, honestly, we have a vegan coming this weekend, and uh, we saved back that peanut butter chocolate pie because we can serve it with cashew cream and it makes this lovely vegan dessert so much for the low fat well yeah the cashew (laughs) cream does kill the low fat bit but okay so it goes so check out those videos on tiktok check out this podcast please subscribe it to it please rate it give it a rating anytime you want that would be fabulous and if you could write a comment that would be great and in the meantime until we're back in september go to our facebook group cooking with bruce and mark we will continue to post videos and recipes and have a great conversation about food there and otherwise we'll see you back here on the podcast cooking with bruce and mark in september see you then